1: And may the works this day of be of the highest good for all present, and those listening, so
0: mote it be. The circle is cast. The true tarot is symbolism. It speaks no other language, and offers no other signs. Welcome to Cartomancy, the 102nd episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. Our opening today is courtesy of 19th century poet and mystic, Arthur Edward Waite. You may call me Ode.
2: You can call me Car, I'm Ode's father. Mary Meats,
1: my name is Gwyn Ode's mother. And I have a deck that is... Based on the Rider-Waite.
0: Yes. A.E. Waite of yep. the Rider-Waite Smith Oh, I know. Yes.
1: I assumed. I assumed. Yeah, I have the tarot deck that I use the most, especially with clients, is the Gilded Tarot, mm-hmm. which, which is, is, is pretty standard. It's very, it's standard, but it's, I, I love how that artist has interpreted mm-hmm. the images, but they based it off Rider-Waite Smith. So yay,
0: I love that quote. <laughs> okay, housekeeping. Why are you staring okay. at me? I was
2: waiting for my chance to do housekeeping.
0: No, 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 <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we have two new cats. They are Cabra and Michelle Adnan-Zivo. Welcome to our new
1: cats. Yes. And we love you.
2: And one new hunter, Sloth.
1: Hello, Sloth. Sloth, Sloth. Sloth. Because Sloth. we love all of uh, our... Those are the news. We love yes. all of our, our patrons from the kittens on up. So Gwen does a book club on Wednesdays. But before that, I do a Monday morning guided meditation, 8 a.m. Eastern. It's usually... Maybe about 15 minutes, 17 minutes, it doesn't go very long. I'm also starting to add those to YouTube, to my, mm-hmm. to my YouTube channel. And then on Wednesday I do at 7pm on Zoom, I do a book club and we are currently discussing how to be an anti-racist by Ibram X. I know. Chapter 5? Yes.
2: There you go. So anybody can join at any time, correct?
1: Absolutely. All right. Yeah, because we always give an overview, and our conversations tend to lap.
2: So, Gwen, is your YouTube channel different than the Three Pack channel? Yes,
1: yes, actually, it is. It uh, if you look, if you search "Gwen of Three pigs and a Cat," you should be able
2: to find me.
0: Cool. All right, so that's it for housekeeping.
2: That's it. We're house kept okay. and house swept. <laughs>
0: I didn't say a word.
2: You were going to, so I was just getting it out there.
1: I was actually distracted by something else, so I probably would have missed it, for
0: recording it.
2: And said, all that shit. And all that shit, yep.
0: All right, so we've done a divination episode before. We did. Where we talked about sort of the history of tarot, and talked a little bit about the history of Lenormand cards, even, which mm-hmm. uh, were not created by Madame Lenormand. Nope. Right. Uh, they were created after her death. But we got a request when we were polling four different episodes for an episode that talked more in more depth about, like, how to read with various cards and in, in mm-hmm. various card systems. So mm-hmm. that's what we're doing today. We're talking about cardamancy, so mm-hmm. I thought we'd start sort of with the original style of cardamancy, which mm-hmm. was with playing cards. Which is um, really
1: interesting, because I did actually do a blog post like a week or two ago about cardamancy. Hmm and The History of Tarot. So well, cardamancy has a, a
2: really oh. interesting history.
0: Yeah, well,
2: look at Gwen being ahead of the game. Uh huh. Impressive. Thank you.
0: <laughs> Which is double impressive because you like don't look ahead to see what we're recording the next week. No, no, so no, it's yes, pure yes.
1: Synchronicity. <laughs> it was just synchronicity. Well, and I found out that there really is a or lot. was
2: it synchronicity too.
1: I found out just even the history of playing cards themselves is interesting. Yeah, we
0: actually don't know 100% where playing Mm-mm. cards come
1: from. There is the suspicion. There, there is a belief that they may have originated in. China around the 9th century. They think.
0: Possibly. The, the alternate possible origin, because like I said, this is disputed by scholars, mm-hmm. is um, Mamluk Egypt in the 15th century. Well,
1: actually, what I, what I read was that they believe one potential, and it was listed as a potential history mm-hmm. for the earliest cards, was the 9th century in China, where they had a game that used small pieces of paper. It was called the Leaf Game. Mm -hmm. And it and it was I'm
0: familiar I've heard of it. Yeah. And it
1: was the they used block print. And they believed that from China it moved its way to Egypt to what became more familiar more traditional, traditional what we know of as playing cards. But they think that the idea of that kind of a game originated with China and through trade made Possibly. its way to Persia and Egypt because all right. of these you know all of these right. extensive right. networks, yeah. Yep. Have, well, and these cultures all have similar kinds of games with small pieces of paper or cards. That have in- images on them,
0: but we don't have a definitive no. history on any of this. It's all speculative at this point. Exactly, and that's and why probably we never will. Right. Yeah. Which
1: is why I said possible,
0: <laughs> not definitive. Right. There are yep. basically there are like a whole bunch of splinter groups yep. of academics who have very different, very strong opinions on yes. the subject. <laughs> exactly.
1: Even just the history of playing cards is interesting. Let alone how tarot cards. Right. Came which out we of came this. out of this, and then which we was Norman. Well, later, and was also many originally many
0: intended as a game. Yep. We talked about this in the previous divination. Yep. Right. Before tarot cards as a game even existed There was a pre-existing tradition Of divination with Playing cards Mm -hmm. with what we'd consider sort of a standard deck of playing cards, like, like a bicycle deck of of playing cards. Although before that even, there were, because playing cards were really not standardized for a long time, for hundreds of years. And so like there used to be, like you could find decks that had proverbs written on the cards Mm -hmm. and things like that. And so people would sometimes like low key divine Mm -hmm. with, with different kinds of playing card decks that had proverbs or like little like fortune cookie kind of like saying on them, mm-hmm. but it wasn't really like a formalized no. system because the playing card decks weren't structured. Right. When you started to get those more structured decks, like the bicycle decks that we have now, mm-hmm. there developed a system of cartomancy, and it's not clear where that came from either. Yep. It's not clear when or who first started using them for divination. The mm-hmm. traditional supposition is that it was Roma that Mm -hmm. it was the the Romani people who were doing fortune-telling on the outskirts of cities Mm -hmm. with playing card decks and palmistry. But the only source I've been able to find for that is actually a hoax. Mm. It was a book written by a novelist. And he made it all up. And I've never used a traditional playing card deck for mm-hmm. cardamancy, so I can't. Of yeah, I can't uh speak to that.
1: I, ha- I haven't either, but I have a, a set of cards now—a little set of just regular playing cards—that I'm going to see if I can learn how to use do traditional cardamancy
2: using them.
0: Good luck. See how that works out. <laughs> Good luck to you. Yeah. Well, I mean, but, you
2: have four suits, so that right, should be yeah. very oh, easy. Yeah, I
0: mean, you And a court card. Yeah. And obviously, all of these cards do have, like in a traditional bicycle deck, there do exist standardized meanings for these cards. Mm -hmm. Right. But there's no... Like, you would just have to memorize them. Right. Right. Because there's no imagery on the card to help you, basically. Well,
2: there is imagery on the cards, but... Not
0: on the the numerical cards. There's just the pips and the suit, which doesn't help you tremendously.
1: (laughs) And then there was also Tarot of Marseille, and that is when our 78 card Arcana became popular. Gotcha.
0: And then the Rider-Waite-Smith deck, and then the Toth tarot. There are various sort of standardized formulations. And most tarot decks now are based on one of those three. They're based on the Tarot de Marseille, the Mm Rider-Waite-Smith, or the Toth deck. Right. I don't want to get too bogged down in the history because right. we did talk about history in the last episode. I know. But so I can't talk too much about divination by playing cards. Right.
1: I think he would... Could you say Lenormand is closer to traditional cardamasty? Closer, yeah. Because I, it does use what looks like card numbers. Sort of. Uh, sort of.
0: Yeah. So the Lenormand cards, which are after tarot cards, so the sort of the order of operations here for the creation of these things was playing cards mm-hmm, came first. Mm-hmm. Eventually, at some point. Eventually. So, somewhere between somehow. the 9th and 14th centuries, playing cards came into existence. Uh, somehow. Which is a huge span of time. Very, very huge. Um, many,
1: many, many Somewhere between things.
0: the 9th and 14th century and China and Egypt, yep. playing cards came and into existence. <laughs> said, and then Europe got it. And then Europe adopted this. them. And then in the... <laughs> 16th to, through the 18th century, tarot card as, as a game game, became came into existence in around Italy and France mm-hmm. and Germany, mm-hmm. all of which played three very different styles of very tarot game. Very different styles. And you, did you know that original game
1: from Portugal and Spain, I guess they still do that game. Yes,
0: yes. In they still do that. Yeah, there are actually several areas in, in they do it in Italy, they yep. do it in, there are several areas in the world where you can still play like traditional tarot games. There's
1: some of the oldest games in existence.
0: Yeah. So, yes, there are are still places where you can do that. Yep. Um, It's just mostly in the English-speaking world we use tarot for divination instead of for games. Exactly. So, Madame Lenormand Mm. came into existence, right? And, And she, like, read for... Napoleon Bonaparte's yes. wife, right? She was, she was huge. She, that this is who who Madame Lenormand was, and she did cardamancy with a combination of playing card decks and tarot decks. And in fact, she would have multiple decks out at a, at a time, mm-hmm. and would pull cards from them randomly as she was reading. So two years after her death, they came out with the Grand Jew or the the Great Game, right? Which is what they call a Lenormand deck. It has fifty four cards, mm-hmm. and then five years after that, so seven. Seven years after Madame Lenormand's death, they came out with the Petit Joux, which is the lesser mm-hmm. game, which is 36 cards. That's the more familiar Lenormand deck for most people, is the Petit Joux. Right. And Lenormand cards are like a weird fusion mm-hmm. of tarot mm-hmm. and playing cards. Yes. The because the, yeah, because the, mashup. they have symbols on them rather than numbers and pips. The, all the cards are numbered 1 through 36 or 1 through 54. Yes, they do have numbers. They do have numbers on them, but the numbers are not the primary point. They have like a symbol <laughs> that means... It's like, there's numbers, but don't pay attention they, to the they numbers. They don't matter that much. They don't matter. Um, but the... <laughs> <laughs> the symbols mean, like, a specific... Like, clover just means luck. And you'll have, like, fox mm-hmm. and snake. Like, snake is supposed to be deceitful woman. And that's just all it means,
1: mm-hmm. right? Although I've, I've heard that there's some people who've expanded
0: on it. but Yes, yeah, that's but the traditionally, basic. that's what a Lenormand yes. deck is. It's it's, it's, very it's a sequence of very straightforward meanings. Yeah, yeah so it, it has symbology, but it's mm-hmm. much, like, more straightforward symbology than is on the tarot. And we
1: felt like it was more... What you would use for fortune telling,
0: yeah. Like the, and fortune you get much telling. more straightforward answers. Yes, no. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And times yep. and specific details about people. Mm-hmm. It's much easier to get like a straightforward, grounded material answer from a Lenormand deck than it is from a tarot deck, which tend to be a little more airy fairy. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that
2: said, none of us really got into the Lenormand deck. No,
0: no. we, I mean, we, we are one. determined. We to, own one. Damn we, it. We dabbled. <laughs> Gwen and I have both dabbled with the Lenormand. Yep. Um, I even
1: took a class with with my friend, who is a very skilled Lenormand reader, and she mm -hmm. did a reading for me, and she did a reading for others, and I I sort of got it, but I think what trips me up, and this is what she said too, is it's, you have to take your mind out of tarot to read
2: Lenormand.
0: I would say, yeah, I think... I think the Lenormand is much more literal than yeah, the tarot. Yeah, yeah. And you, so you have like to the take, thing just means what it means. I know exactly. you would think
2: that you would be more into it. I know, it then. right?
0: I'm an extremely literal person. Yeah. Part of it is that you have to have a very like you have to have a question that's relevant to yeah. the Lenormand, thing, right? Right, yeah. for it to be useful to. So, like, I mm-hmm. have to be looking for like what's what's the time frame I should do X. Mm-hmm. And pull, like, a sentence of Lenormand for that. But right. I think it
1: also depends on the reader, because my friend, Amy, she did a grand tableau. Right, the grand
0: tableau is where you lay down all of the yep. cards in the Lenormand Normand Holy
1: balls! Yes, <laughs> and it was basically a life question. What's my life going to look like in the next three months?
0: But a grand tableau, A, is not for beginners.
1: No, no, and, no.
0: And B, <laughs> the whole point of a grand tableau is to read more widely. Yes. When you do like a traditional Lenormand reading with a couple of cards, yeah. you're not gonna get that. You need you're something gonna get, more specific. you need
1: something more concrete. And it's really impressive when you do see someone who's skilled, like mm-hmm. like my friend. Oh, is, the Grand Tableau is really, to see her to watch. just, <laughs> to see her just interpret this Grand and, Tableau, I'm like...
0: And the fascinating thing about the Grand Tableau is that the cards all relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And so when you lay them all down in the Grand Tableau, like how close cards are to each other in the sequence, changes what their effect is on each yep. other.
2: Interesting. Yep. Wow. It's very
0: interesting. It's very complex. It's this whole, like, fascinating web of cards. Which is and why yeah.
2: I didn't get into it at all, because too much fucking learning. Oh
0: my god, yeah. I
2: just want to be able to, like, look at it and intuitively say, this is what it means. I would
0: say Lenormand is is not really an intuitive style. Amy would
1: disagree with you. She kept trying to tell me, and I'm like, Amy, I just don't get it.
0: (laughs) I think the Lenormand... So, here's something we will need to talk about, I guess, for all of these methods, Yes, is the that there are multiple styles, I guess, of approaching uh, every kind of card divination, any any kind of cardomancy. Mm -hmm. They're what I mostly do, which is um, sort of a visual language style Mm -hmm. where I'm mostly reading the image on the card and interpreting that image, right? Like, the image on the card means something to me and I'm interpreting through that. There's the memorization method where you just memorize what all of the cards mean, like in a set of keywords Mm -hmm. and you can just sort of rattle those off and you don't even have to see them, you just know like, mm -hmm, three of cups is X because you've memorized the meaning for it. There's intuition, which is you lay the cards down, you don't even necessarily know what someone else would say they mean, but you just sort of get a vibe. And that's how I read the Which cards. Is how reads. That's how go and read. i That's how
2: I read. Right? Too. Yep.
0: Mm-hmm. And, so, and it
1: actually is kind of a combination of the intuitive and the, the one where you kind of know what the generalized meaning yeah, is. Yeah. Yes. But for some of them, not for all of them. But.
0: And I think most people do combine all yeah. of these
1: methods. Yeah. Right? I, like, I think so too. Because there's the imagery and it all plays off
0: together. Some people will do just one of these yes. approaches, and some people people will sort of combine them into a more holistic right. rooting yeah. experience.
1: So maybe that's probably what I would say I do is more of a holistic thing.
0: For me... The Lenormand feels like a deck that I, my first approach to it, at the very least, would have to be a memorization one. Like, I would have to just learn what all the symbols mean. Mm-hmm. Right. Because a lot of them And where
2: they change depending on where exactly. the place they're in. And,
0: yeah. and because a lot of the symbols are not intuitive to me. Right. Like, their meanings don't make intuitive sense to me. And that's because they're based on, like, social standards mm-hmm. that social. were, like, com- norms that were common at the time they were created. And right. And it's common now.
2: Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So here's my question, though. Uh-huh. So, like runes, take a long time to learn, mm-hmm. right? And you have to blood them in, yeah. right? So, would you blood in a Lenormand deck because it takes that much time to learn? I
0: don't think so. I've not heard that for the Lenormand.
2: I'm asking Odin in particular because yeah. it's a yeah. Something no, I don't that think that's does.
0: I don't think that's a standard thing. But yeah. the difference, so the reason that the runes are blooded is that I'm establishing like a a payment like Mm -hmm. i'm establishing a a payment and a connection with the spirits of those runes right i haven't done that for any of my tarot decks
2: okay my
0: my tarot decks have never required that kind of commitment or that level of of payment and exchange
2: is part of that because they're very intuitive for you would the then learning part of lenormand be more like the runes for you i'm asking questions you may not have the answer to again i
0: (laughs) i think it It would require, because it's not intuitive, at least for me, it would require that same kind of investment of time to learn. I'm not sure if I would, you know what, I think it would depend on the deck, probably. I would have to like get a Lenormand deck and see whether that felt like it was a requirement to work with that deck. Just instinctively, I don't think so, but I don't own a personal Lenormand deck, so everything's possible.
1: I do know that Amy suggested when you get, if you're starting out with Lenormand, you get a very basic deck mm-hmm. just like with tarot yeah. so that you can learn the principles of it learn the symbology so you can memorize and so the symbols you, yep and mm-hmm. so you can learn to read the sentences to mm-hmm. communicate right. with the deck before you start branching out that was one of my errors when yeah, I, you started I, I started I started out one. with a fancy deck and could not read it because I didn't understand the language mm-hmm. and I think that that goes for yeah, all of these types of, of things though I think is that it's Usually better if you can start out with a something basic and move on from there. That's not the usual,
0: right? That's the usual. So, that's the advice I would give, mm-hmm. but it's actually not what I did. Right.
2: <laughs> right. The advice
0: I would give would be start with one of the prettier straight Rider-Waite Smith cuz the original right. the like the standard Rider-Waite Smith deck is not attractive. No, it's not. But at least not by my standards. But you can get sort of updated Rider-Waite Smith decks, mm-hmm. something that's cool. um
2: that are where- pretty.
0: Right, that are prettier, that are a little more artistically smooth. That's what I like about the
1: Gilded Tarot. Yeah,
0: the Gilded Tarot is a really good example of this. It's a very straight Rider-Waite-Smith deck. All the standard Rider-Waite-Smith mm-hmm. symbology is there. In exactly the way it was presented in the original, the art style is just a little smoother and more pretty. updated. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just more, more aesthetically attractive to me. It is. And that is a at least in my experience, an important component of a tarot deck is you should enjoy looking at it. Yeah, Right. Because you're going to be looking at it a lot. Exactly. (laughs) How you learn it, if nothing else. Mm -hmm. Um, So I would recommend starting with with one of those sort of updated standard Rider-Waite-Smith decks, even though that's definitely not what I did, because my first tarot deck was the Intuitive Tarot, which is loosely based on the Rider-Waite-Smith deck. It's a Rider-Waite-Smith-inspired deck, Mm -hmm. but it had really different... Interpretations Mm -hmm. of the art And was a really Sort of out of left field Interpretation even In terms of the usual variance Within that scale All of the cards had the traditional names, so I have some more decks now that have, like, renamed certain cards and things, right. which will really screw you up if you start oh with Oh, my them. God, that gets so confusing. <laughs> if you start with,
1: like... I think the Toth deck uses princes and princesses or something. One of the decks... I've seen some decks do that.
0: Yeah, this is why you have to pick one. So yeah. so there are the three standard variations, mm-hmm. which are the Tarot de Marseille, the Rider-Waite-Smith, and the Toth. Mm-hmm. Pick one. Yep. Pick one to focus on, and all the decks that you get should be based on whichever one you picked, because they do, <laughs> they do vary. They do. Yeah. Right? They do. Not just in names, but in interpretations and in symbology. So pick a branch,
2: yep. right,
0: essentially to focus on. Uh, and everybody has a different opinion. I think Rider-Waite Smith is the most popular right now, but it mm-hmm. used to be that Toth was the most popular. Yeah,
1: yeah that's
0: um, true. It goes up and down in waves. But you should be able to tell, either usually it'll say somewhere in the and the packaging and marketing material, mm-hmm. which one it's based on. Or if you become familiar with the differences between them, you should be able to tell by looking up what cards they have. Yeah. But so that wasn't even what I'm talking about. There are decks that are based on the writer Red Smith that have just renamed some of the cards. Oh, like gotcha. my, my deck that's inspired by David Bowie. Right. Um,
2: oh, right. True. Has
0: renamed some of the cards. Like the magician is the alien mm. in this, right? And so like if I looked up what's the alien tarot card, I'm not going to find anything. <laughs> Green Witch
1: Tarot did uh, a very similar thing, yeah.
0: And so that's going to be confusing if you're starting out, which is why it's generally recommended, because all the resources you're going to find are going to be based on one of these three basics. Mm -hmm. So start with one of these three basics. Mm -hmm. Because that's what you're going to run into for resources you can check. Yes, that's very true.
2: That's very true. Join our Tiger Kelly on a visit to Tree Wizard Creations, where you can find custom engraved creations for all paths. They offer unique gifts and tools for the altar, home, practice, and family. In addition to their standard product range, they offer custom commissions. If you can dream it, the wizard will create it. Contact them at treewizardcreations at gmail.com. Follow them on Facebook at Tree Wizard Creations or go to their website at treewizardwyzardcreations.com. And they do have beautiful, beautiful things.
0: Oh, so Selkie is talking about a deck that they got previously, mm-hmm. uh, and how wands are fire, cups are sea, swords are sky, and pentacles are earth. That's another thing to keep mm-hmm. in mind. So what elements the suits are is also going to vary depending on which branch you're in. Yeah. Right. And, well, and, and sometimes they just go
1: off on their own. Like, my, I have a Hecate Tarot.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I use it as an oracle. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Because it has it's very it's different. It's very, very it's very different. non-standard. It's very non-standard. It uses I
0: couldn't read your Hecate Tarot no. if my if a gun was to my head.
1: Because it uses symbols like keys and, and bowls yeah, and completely. things
0: that are that
1: are familiar to Hecati and witchcraft. Yeah, but completely
0: unfamiliar. But completely
1: to me. so yeah, it, it would be very hard for someone who's not familiar with Yeah. Hecate. If
0: I see a keys card I'm like, is this supposed to be a exactly, wand or
1: exactly, a sword? Exactly. So so you <laughs> do get that. As well, you get some people who will create a tarot deck that is very yeah, that's different. very divergent. Very divergent,
0: and those are not ideal for your starting, not your to learning. learning. No, Which, um, and I I unless it unless it's the only one you ever intend to use, right. and I use it as
1: an oracle, not as a tarot. Yeah,
2: lots of people are saying like I'm, I'm sticking with the one deck I have.
1: Uh
0: huh. Uh-huh. You
2: did that for oh, did that for ten years? Yes,
0: yes I did, and, and there then
2: lost a card. Yes, and that was two years ago, that right? Two
0: years ago. Now, how
2: many decks do you own now?
0: Twelve or <laughs> yeah. <And> thirteen? So, <laughs> yeah. So there is a
2: slight addiction to owning tarot decks. Uh huh. This
0: is something we, to bear in mind. To be fair, part of the reason is that I like to look at them. And I was going to
1: say <laughs> we have a friend Mora, uh huh, who has over a hundred decks because she likes them because they're pretty.
2: Yeah. Right. Yeah. She likes the art. Yeah. Yeah. Yep.
1: I and I have several decks. I have not anywhere close to what <laughs> Ode has. Um, I only have a handful, but. I generally use two decks and and the rest are for pretty. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and to be fair, even with the with all the decks I have, I do have, like, a standard deck. Yeah. You know, like, mm-hmm. I have my primary deck that I use most of the time, and I have sort of a secondary and tertiary decks that mm-hmm. I sort of switch in and out. Mm-hmm. And then I have a bunch of other decks that I use occasionally. Right,
1: right. But, like, even the Herb Crafter's Tarot, which I absolutely love, and I do that for readings if I'm feeling like there needs to be, like, a healing component. Mm-hmm. Um, but it uses very unstandard... Types of suits and and for its major and minor arcana,
0: which isn't a problem. It's no. just not good for learning. Yeah, it's not um, good for learning. This is also something which I was reminded both when you were talking about, oh, I need a healing vibe for this, yep. and when you were mentioning your Hakati deck, mm-hmm. is that sometimes a deck will end up like earmarked for a specific purpose. Yes, either it'll be dedicated for communicating with a specific god or spirit. Mm-hmm or, like, the vibe is just always good for this specific kind of thing. Mm-hmm. It always answers questions in this way or yep. what this tone. And I know tone. that
2: when you all go out and do readings for public, mm-hmm. you usually bring multiple decks yes, because you things. don't know what who the,
0: I'm going to encounter. Right, with, yeah, yeah what,
2: who the querent is and what their question is that may affect which deck you use.
0: Exactly. I, if, if I'm going into a situation where I don't know what I might be called on to do, Mm-hmm. Uh, I bring a range of decks. Mm-hmm. Right. Like my, I have my standard deck, which has like a fairly concili not not conciliatory, but a gentle tone, mm-hmm. Right. where it's willing to just sort of gently lead you to the conclusion you're supposed to be at. And then I have some decks that are I much more that are much more aggressive, yes. <laughs> and are just not interested in your bullshit. And oh, I have like, some decks that won't answer a question directly, but would prefer to like make you answer your own question. But
2: but would your gentle deck be most people's? Hit you in the face deck?
0: Maybe. Okay. Probably. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> I have admittedly, yes, I have admittedly used this deck that I think is very gentle and reassuring uh, with Quarants who, who have been a little distressed by <laughs> the but results. <laughs> but to be fair, I have found the same
1: thing with Gilded Tarot, with Herb Crafter's Tarot, with a lot of time. Ta- it comes down to how you're interpreting it. Right, yeah. <laughs> Sometimes getting a reading is just going to make a querent cry. Sometimes it's just going to be hard. Yeah. It's just going to be hard.
0: So I did want to talk a little bit about when you're learning the cards yes. and when you start to move into intermediary reading, right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So I think there's obviously the same way there are multiple reading styles. There are multiple like learning approaches. Yes. You can take a very intuitive way, which is which is how I learned initially with my mm-hmm. first deck, which is just to look at the cards a lot. And That's because you lost the book. I lost the book. Oh, that- yeah, and didn't have the and like I said, this was sort of a divergent deck. So like I could look up what the standard meanings were on the internet,
2: like AOL. Yeah, uh,
0: yeah on AOL internet, <laughs> I could look up the standard meanings in the early odds. Um, <laughs> but
2: I couldn't,
0: I couldn't get the exact meanings of my cards, right? Because they were different. They yeah. I had to learn them for So your- I had to learn them for myself. So I had, to, I was forced to to use an intuitive method. To learn my initial deck, which for me, and this is probably why I'm still a primarily visual reader, Mm -hmm. involved really studying the images on the cards... And sort of internalizing the symbology of them, Mm -hmm. so that I could figure out what they were trying to say. Right. And that's that process is like very built into how I think of tarot. I think of tarot as visual image sense. Mm -hmm. Not everybody does. And then when I moved into I started learning other decks, I now actually go through the book, yeah, yeah. at least once and see you know what the meanings, what the what the artist's what the creator's intention is for the cards. Right. Mm -hmm. And then I do the same thing I did with my original deck, which is after I've gone through the book once. I throw the book away. Yeah. (laughs) And... I go through and study the visual symbology of the cards because that's mm-hmm. how it clicks for me and part of that may be because I'm an artist. Yeah. So I have like a very visual yeah. framework for understanding the world.
1: For me, what I, what I started doing was using the book and mm-hmm. following whatever, reading each individual description, you know, studying the card and then I, I would get stuck into the book. It was very hard to break away from the book doing that.
0: And you had a, you had a real struggle with that. Mm-hmm.
1: And so what I, Ended up doing after I got the initial understanding, and what I did was that it was through got the Gilded Tarot because it was part of the Easy Tarot set, and that book recommended taking one card at a time and then writing about it, journaling, journaling about it in a notebook, and applying it to a question in your life, and then applying it to someone you know might be going through something similar and going from the, and then just kind of internalizing those meanings. But what really worked for me was throwing away the book. Well, not throwing away, but putting the book on the shelf and just trusting what the, what the cards were saying to me through their imagery. That is how I've moved forward since then. So I'll do now, similar to what you do is I will, I'll go through the book. I'll look at each card. I'll spend time with each card. But then ultimately, I put the book away. And because I learned through the Gilded Tarot, that is the imagery that speaks the clearest to me.
2: Right.
1: And so I use that to interpret other cards. You know, whatever the equivalent is, I go, okay, this is what it is. This is what I know is the interpretation. And then I let that card speak to me what else it has to say. Right.
0: That is actually useful. It's, This is one of the reasons I do recommend learning one of the um, standard branch original decks, Mm -hmm. is because if you know the symbology of the original deck, you can sometimes see like echoes of it Mm -hmm. in more modern decks. Exactly. So sometimes you'll see like reinterpretations, but you'll see the echo of that original meaning. Mm -hmm. And I often find myself... In readings with people, explaining like you can see this on the card, and in the original Rider-Waite-Smith deck, mm-hmm. there would have been this, this, and this, which mean these things, mm-hmm. <laughs> and, exactly. and, and that sort of influences how I explain the card to mm-hmm. the querent, which is another component.
1: The, the other thing that really helped me learn the cards was equating the symbology to the elements, because that's yeah, a, that didn't help me at all. That, that helped me tremendously, but I'm that's part of my path, so. I think is why it really helps. So I can then take that into other decks and do similar interpretations. Right.
0: Yeah, it, it helped me to know what the various suits sort of stood for. Mm-hmm. Like, it helped me to know that pentacles are usually going to be about material things. Right, right. But it doesn't help me to know that pentacles are associated with the earth element, yeah, right? I mean like,
2: that that's what clicked it for me. So that would be really hard for me because I'm mm-hmm. only Lancey Scott. Exactly. Right. I don't do the four elements. Ultimately so. what it comes down to is what works best for right, you. Right, yeah.
0: How did you learn the cards? Because you actually do have a couple of cards. Yeah.
2: So I actually have three different kinds of decks. I have one tarot deck, which is the Druidcraft Tarot, and I learned it by using the Druidcraft Tarot app on my phone. Oh, that's
0: right. Yeah. So
2: I can actually, on that app, pull one card a day, Mm -hmm. and I use it it as a learning thing. Yeah. It gives me the entire meaning of it both in face-up and in reverse, it gives me a chance to, like, just do it right off of there. Also, if I do a spread with this, mm-hmm. with the app, is it does give me all the meanings as I go through the spread. So that helps me learn. So, right, so it'll help me learn. And I've actually used it to do a spread for a couple of people. Mm-hmm. And it's easier for me because I have all the verbiage right there and I right. don't have you to got dive. I have those
0: keywords. I have those
2: keywords right there and it, I don't have to dive completely into like, okay, what does this look like exactly? And you looking know?
0: up each one Right, the Yep. Book yep. But it's, so it's all right there. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, and
2: the company that I got this from.
0: Yeah, they do a bunch. Yeah. They? And I'm, yeah. I'm just
2: going to plug them because they do a crap ton of, it's called the fool's dog. They're it's just a-, a small software company, but they do tons of different so
0: yeah, and I assume that they that they've licensed.
2: These. Yes, they do. They yes. license all. Which is all why of them. they don't yep.
0: have like every deck on earth, but right. they do have quite a few.
2: Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. a very
0: extensive collection.
2: The other thing that I like about it is it actually has a journal, so that you can journal mm-hmm. what your reading meant. That is nice, and it's there on your, with you with you all the time. Yeah, that's
0: a great learning tool. Right, because something we've talked about before when we were talking about uh, back in the building your book series mm-hmm. um, is it's really useful to record the results of your divination so that you can go back and see, you know, two weeks, a month later, you can go back and see how it turned out. Exactly. And sort of tune your results.
2: Yep, Yep. And I
1: just was looking up the Fool's Dog. They have Lenormand decks in
2: here as well. Yeah, yep. And they have Oracle decks. They have a whole bunch of stuff. Yeah, So so. great.
0: Oh, I guess we can touch on Oracle decks really quickly here Mm -hmm. before we move into, like, the nitty-gritty stuff of how to actually read Tarot specifically because that's what I specialize in. Right. Um, right. Same. But a lot of this stuff can also be yep. translated
2: into Oracle. Yeah. So I, I have I have one Oracle deck. Mm-hmm. That is the Druid Animal Oracle.
0: Yep. was mine originally, but I never used it, so I gave it to her. Right, yep. Mm -hmm.
2: And and I've gotten a lot out of it. But again, there's an app for that. (laughs) Um, And then the other one I have is completely different. It's the Celtic Tree Oracle, and it is basically... Ohm but in card cards, format yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so it allows me to
0: yeah and you can see the little trees yeah and,
2: mm-hmm. yep each tree is different it shows you know kind of what their fla- the flower looks like mm-hmm. what that's the really actual nice ohm stave is so I've really enjoyed working with that because the ohm I understand a whole lot better than anything else Five. so now I have a card version of it as well as my actual ohm pieces mm-hmm.
0: that's nice yep. that is nice. so the thing with oracle decks and I've gotten this question from people multiple times, mm-hmm. is people will ask me, like, well, how many cards are in oracle decks? And have to tell them, like, it's going to depend. It depends. So so every oracle deck is unique. Yeah. The, the whole point of an oracle deck is that, unlike tarot, which is a formalized system on one of three branches mm-hmm. that has, like, really structured um, sets of cards and meanings for those cards, mm-hmm. an oracle deck is just whatever the artist, whatever the creator decided mm-hmm. they needed to make cards for, Mm-hmm. and, and they, they could be related to like every subject on earth. It's often themed. Right. Um, yeah. It's uh, I, I've never seen an unthemed oracle. Right. Track. But it's themed. But it's also
1: themed to communicate with a particular energy or a deity not or necess- a type of deity. Not or
0: necessarily, but sometimes. Sometimes,
1: sometimes. Yeah. So, like I've seen angel oracles, which are designed to communicate, communicate with your angels, and, hear angels mm-hmm. and the moon oracle to. Communicate with moon deities and and right. or or the moon energy, if you will, things like that, or fairies. I've seen a lot of fairy oracles. A lot of fairy oracles. <laughs> yeah. uh,
0: that's not always the case. So
1: no, no, not always, but that's, sometimes that's what I have.
2: And neither uh, of mine are that way.
1: Yeah, that's how I've experienced right. the oracle cards yeah. Yeah. and the types of decks that I've gotten. They've generally been designed to communicate to a specific type of Energy.
0: So yeah, the, there's a huge range, I guess, in oracles. So it's really hard to make any kind of generalizations about oracle decks. Like it's literally just whatever someone wanted to make, basically. Like there are no rules, I guess, for oracle decks, which is kind of nice. Right, Uh,
1: it's nice. They're very unchained. (laughs) It's very unchained, and so it it uh, speaks to a lot of different people for a lot of different in a lot of different ways. Yeah, I mean, like a little more free than
2: than tarot. It's it's
1: the free form. It's the free form (laughs) cardomancy.
2: My two oracle decks I have in front of me are twenty five cards and thirty eight cards
1: respectively. Respectively. Yeah. 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 So, I, I mean, have had some that are like in the 30s as far. As most yeah. cards. I have
0: noticed uh, like I said you
2: can't Mid-30s.
1: generalize, you can't generalize about oracles, yeah.
0: but I have noticed most of them tend to be in the 30 range. Mm-hmm. I
1: had like the Dark Goddess Oracle, which I traded for a tarot
0: deck. Yeah. <laughs> but um
1: but it was specifically the the creators of this Dark Goddess Oracle created it specifically so each card would tune into dark goddess energy. And for shadow work. It was almost specifically for shadow work.
0: So was the objective that each
1: card was a different
2: dark goddess? Yeah. Yes.
1: So every single card was a different dark goddess and had a different message for you that would draw you into a different kind of shadow work. It was very intense.
0: So, but were the cards intended to get the attention of the goddess on the card? Or were they just intended as like, sort of prompts?
1: Presumably, my understanding, at least how I interpreted it, from what I read and how I used it, it was meant to tune into that particular deity, and the message from that deity was on the card, and it was meant, it was all very much shadow work oriented.
0: I actually think oracle cards require a lot more intuition than tarot yes. cards do. Yes, they do. Because you said, like, you oh, you'd interpret it the same way you would tarot. But I think you actually interpret oracle cards, like, you have to interpret them differently than you mm, do tarot, because you true. don't have that
1: built-in... But, of course, I use a lot of intuition when I use tarot, right? so that's probably why.
0: But you don't have that built-in, like, system set, yeah. the, those built-in rules yes. of the tradition to fall back on. Right. So you have to... Handle each card in an oracle deck individually.
1: Yes. And I've had people do oracle... Readings for me mm-hmm. with various types of decks, and usually what they do is they'll tell you re- initially what the card meaning is, and then they'll go from there. They'll interpret it from there. That's how I've experienced it. I mean, that's how I read tarot for people yeah. too. Yeah. <laughs> so most of the people I read for don't know what
0: the tarot cards mean, so that's, they need an explanation.
1: And that's what I'm saying. Why I, I feel like it's similar to tarot, even though there's more of an intuitive and vibe. There just oracles.
0: is. I think it's because you're starting fresh with every oracle deck, right? right? Like you can't take anything you've learned from from working with a previous Oracle deck mm-hmm. into a new Oracle deck, because it's going to be a completely different experience. going to be experience. very different experience.
2: Join our Tiger Amanda and relax with the salts of Wonderful Body Co., These soaks and scrubs inspired by popular books and characters are designed to delight multiple senses with fragrant scents and sparkling mica. You can also find a small selection of rollerball fragrances. With a few dozen options available, you're sure to find something you'll like at Wonderful Body Co.'s collection. This week, Ode is recommending Howl's Journey with notes of juniper, moss, and frankincense. Find Wonderful Body Co. online at wonderfulbodyco.com or go directly to the shop at etsy.com forward slash shop. And use the coupon code The number 3 P-A-A-C-30 For 30% off of your order.
1: And we really recommend you do that because the stuff is awesome. And the thirty yes. is
0: also a three and a zero. It's not the word thirty written. Correct, yes. Three zero. Point. Just I don't want anyone to put in the wrong coupon code and not get their thirty percent. Right.
1: <laughs> because the prices are already excellent. Yeah, they're
0: already really and well. then
1: you're getting a thirty percent discount. So yeah. take advantage. And they smell great. Oh my god. By yeah. far and worth
2: it. There is a three pack.
1: Yep. We up. have our own paths <laughs> represented. Right. Witches path, druids path, heathens path. Mm-hmm. They're all wonderful. Yep, and you can get them in in roller
0: balls and, and in bath salts. salts. Yeah, yep. yep.
1: mm-hmm. so they're wonderful.
0: Yeah, they're great. So I guess now we can talk about sort of the the nitty gritty details of how to read tarot cards. Mm-hmm. And like I said, some of these. Some of these things you'll be able to apply to other systems, mm-hmm. and some of them you won't. It's gonna it's gonna depend on what system you're looking at, really. And sometimes you can create your own. Yeah. <laughs> the first question that I get a lot is how you're supposed to shuffle. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the answer to that is any way that you can shuffle. That's right. Have <laughs> <right> whatever do right. <laughs> <laughs> I can do your I'm standard. The,
2: I'm about the only person who can shuffle and then you do the bridge. No, that's not bridge. true. Because nope. I can do the bridge. When okay. to the
0: bridge, I can't. But the cards have to be flexible enough. Right. So there's, so, I can't do a bridge at all. The, something to bear in mind when you're trying to shuffle tarot cards. Is that you're going to run into two problems. The first mm. problem is that they tend to be very rigid, yes, um, and not as flexible as Bicycle playing cards. Yeah. The second problem is that they are a wide range of sizes. Oh my God! Yes. Yeah. So they I some have tiny I hands. Yeah.
1: There are some I cannot do that <laughs> yeah. a standard shuffle. No. Yeah. In, I have some, because and they're
0: just huge. They're either they're too big or mm-hmm. they're a weird shape. So like I have a I have a great deck the it's the David Bowie deck. Right. But they're like really long. Yep. Mm-hmm, yeah. And narrow. yeah, And so they're just a weird shape to shuffle
1: with. The wonderful thing about a well-loved card is that <laughs> it become eventually more flexible, becau- yeah. eventually you becomes flexible. You have
0: to be, you have to basically break in a tarot deck you before do. you can
2: shuffle it properly.
0: And
1: for me like the gilded tarot is a standard size. It's maybe a little and bit bigger.
0: And it's a little bigger than a bicycle deck. Oh, yeah.
2: it is. This is this would be a bicycle yeah. deck card. Yeah.
0: Okay. So So it is significantly larger. It's it's larger. It's the
2: same width, but it's about half an inch taller.
0: Yeah, still shuffleable. Yeah, and a lot of cards will be about that size. Will Mm. be about the same width as a bicycle, but a little taller. So I do your standard
1: shake for the ones that I just can't bend. <laughs>
0: yeah, so there are, there are approaches you can take for shuffling cards that either your hands are too small or you're bad at shuffling like me. Or, or you the, have
1: arthritis. You have
0: arthritis or the cards are just bad for shuffling, yes. And car's demonstrating right now, which you may be able to pick up on the mic. Yep. Is to just sort of put them on the table and squish them around. Yep. That's not an ideal one, and that's not actually the one I do most of the time. That's what it. I, yeah, what Gwyn is also demonstrating that you can't see is where you put the deck in one hand and you grab random amount of cards with the other hand and you just sort of move them around. Yep. I do that a lot after I do a standard shuffle. Mm-hmm. So I'll do a standard shuffle and then while I'm processing the question, I'll just continue to right. do like a, I don't know what you would call that, a shaken shuffle. A Shaken shuffle. A shaken yeah. shuffle. A shaken shuffle. With I usually in do my a hand. Hand. Combination of yes. standard
1: bridge, shake and shuffle.
0: Yeah, okay. and then the other thing I do when I'm trying to like reset a deck. Mm-hmm. So like if I've done a bunch of readings in a row and mm-hmm. have some downtime, mm-hmm. I'll lay out the cards like one two. I'll make like six piles and just add ra- cards to random piles mm-hmm. until I've used up all the cards in the deck, and then I'll stack those piles together. Right.
1: Now Crystal has a question. What's your view on whether the readie, is that a word? I call that well, a querent. Yeah. yeah. Must touch the deck to get an accurate reading. I've never been one to let anyone touch my decks, but some people stand by this practice. For me, it depends on how I feel at the time. If I feel like, and I only use my Gilded Tarot for that purpose, mm-hmm. if if I feel like I'm supposed to allow them to do that. But that, again, it comes down to an intuition thing. If I feel like I need for them to either blow on the deck or shuffle the deck or cut the cards... I will do that, but sometimes I don't, and I, it just, it, for me, right. it, depends, it depends, it depends on the
0: circumstances. It depends on
1: the circumstances and how I'm feeling
0: if I'm, if the I feel The same way like you, you vibe like which deck you need. Exactly. I never let anyone touch any of my decks. I know. I, so well, that's not true. There are some decks that I'll bring out for demonstration that I'll let people touch and look through, and then I have a few decks that are specific that are like Mm -hmm. my standard deck that I just don't let anyone else touch. Right. Mm -hmm. But I never have the Quarant touch or blow on or cut Mm -hmm. or interact with the deck in any way. That's never been an issue for me. I know Mm -hmm. some people are really specific like you must have the Quarant touch the deck. Yeah, some people people are. That's never been my experience. I think
1: it depends on the person. I don't care.
0: Cars cars really like lackadaisical. If you want to touch the deck you can. If you don't want to, he doesn't mind. (laughs)
1: For me, I keep a crystal with my Gilded Tarot so that I basically clean the deck between readings. So I'll, you know, use my crystal there and then I'll tap it. Uh, as many times as I feel like I need to to yeah, knock, the, ta- the, the, knock off the energy.
0: Yeah, the tapping is the only thing I do to clear my deck. Yeah. To, yeah. to knock off the energy. But and, I, and then I do like I said a reset where I just yeah. shuffle the whole But way. I
1: especially yeah. will do the, the cleansing of the crystal if I've allowed someone to shuffle to touch or
2: it. touch the deck. Yeah. And I I find it interesting that like I don't care about the cards. Uh-huh. But if anybody touched my own... Yeah,
0: you'd have strong opinions. Mm-hmm. I'd have
2: strong opinions. Touching the OM cards, I don't care. i touching but, the OM, But themselves. touching the actual OM themselves because, as you all know from watching me do readings mm-hmm. with them, I'm always... My hands are always yeah. on them. Yeah. And so...
0: And that's part of the be, reading process. That's
2: part of the reading process. So I would think that somebody else touching them would throw that off.
0: I feel right, like... Right. Break your
1: rhythm. Right, yeah. yeah.
2: Or break the connection.
1: Yeah, that could be... I feel like that with my pendulums. I generally do not let people touch my pendulums. Yeah. You know, I'll let them ask the question while I hold the pendulum.
0: Yeah. But yeah.
1: Uh, generally I don't. So it but again, I think it depends so on It's your mileage
0: may vary thing. Yeah. I think it I think it, it has a lot to do it has a lot to do with who you are as a reader and also your relationship with the decks. Right.
1: Mm-hmm. Your relationship with the decks. And how you've been trained? If someone has trained you,
0: yeah, to, to always
1: to always do that, then it, it's like we found, I found out, or we found out that some people uh, are only gifted their decks. You know, I forget if
0: uh, oh, that's you hear this all the time. There are people who insist that if you buy a deck, it's not legit. Like it doesn't work. Yeah, and, and I don't you think have that's... to have a deck given to you as a gift, or you have to find it by accident. And I think that is just something... it's not superstitious. Yeah. But I've met ne- like I've never experienced that myself. I've never had what have any I taught tr- that I, no. I've purchased all of my decks. Mm-hmm. I've never had any trouble with that. I think that's two okay. of
2: mine were gifted to me. That's true. I bought one yeah. and the other two are gifted. I
0: honestly think that's something
1: that has possibly come down in certain traditions. Maybe. Or um or as a as some kind of a uh just a thing within some, certain groups. But that I that is not a standard practice.
2: My yeah. guess is it comes from the same people who say that you have to be a hereditary witch.
0: It sounds like
1: that. It yeah. does. Yep. It yep. sounds very so. much like that. It also is there was uh someone got very disturbed in our group uh, because someone had posted a meme on another, completely other group yeah. stating that tarot was a closed practice, and that's like, yeah, bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely not. It's definitely not. So, But I feel like this whole concept of you can only be gifted a deck, I think that's got to be within certain traditions. Yeah, or and within probably, the hereditary. And, and probably yeah. from that, that, that kind of
0: gatekeeping yeah.
1: crowd. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Which is a little elitist, and I'm it's not a, into it.
1: It's a little elitist.
0: I mean, yeah. If that's what you're into, whatever. But yeah. I'm not going to follow I, your rules. I think, exactly.
1: (laughs) I'm not in your elite group, so fuck off. Yeah, so it doesn't matter. I don't give a fuck. It does
0: not matter what your rules are to me. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. I don't give a
1: shit about your rules. I do think that anyone can learn the tarot, but it may not come easily to them.
0: Exactly. Same way with pendulum. Same with pendulum. And actually, maybe not everyone, maybe not everyone can.
1: Well, that's true. Unless they have just not found their deck, and there's so many damn decks out there, (laughs) Um, it can take a long, long ass time. your deck, so don't give up too soon.
0: Uh, on the other hand, though, like don't spend hundreds of dollars trying to find the right deck for you, right? Right. If if you just like if it's like, if you're like three decks in and it's just not working, like maybe just give it a rest and try something else and see how that works. Or,
2: or it, it took me doing OM yeah. before tarot made sense to me.
0: Yeah, sometimes which is weird you just because like it's a, a completely
2: different divination system. It, but was your,
0: it was your gateway divination.
2: It was. <laughs>
1: That's right. Damn and it. And Joe Frost <laughs> says, I gifted my tarot deck to myself. Does that count? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh,
0: Auntie says, not my mother. just put mommy. it on your wish list first and then buy That's it for right. yourself yeah. and that counts. And sometimes when you get like a deck as a gift or something, it may just not be the right deck for you. Exactly. Right. And
2: and even when you buy a deck sometimes.
0: Oh, God, yeah. It might and be the the so deck.
2: like our first set of like family runes. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm were purchased by somebody yep. and then they came for, over to for, our, them. for them and then they came over to our house and we're like I'm supposed to give these to you and yep. I don't know why <laughs> I literally like literally, they had just, just bought bought them. they had just bought them at Arts and Craft yep. and then came over to our house yep. and <laughs> gave them to us. Yeah, so. And
1: that's happened to me. I've bought decks that I thought were going to be great for me. Mm-hmm. They, I never got the vibe on them. We, you know, cause the, it was pretty. I bought them yeah. because they were pretty, but then once I started working them with them, it was like, just, yeah, just isn't that vibe yeah. in here. So I, I, I traded them. Exactly.
2: Yeah.
0: I have a couple of decks like that that, and sometimes this is because you can't get a good, Look at the deck from inside the box. Exactly, <laughs> you have
1: to go with what's on the pictures.
2: Right you know, and you, you there's a few stores out there that have
0: let it, let you, that have one up.
2: box open all the time. Yes. Yeah, so but they're can, few and far between. Exactly,
0: and and sometimes you can look up the cards online. Right, but but you're very rarely going to see the whole yeah. like 78 cards. Right, because that's a lot of cards to take a photo of. So. Right, yeah. So while I respect those
1: people that want to, yeah, do who this insist
0: that that you like, have to get your deck a specific way, that, we, don't, we don't do that. We're gonna we do that here. So another, What's
2: next on your list?
0: Another thing to talk about is uh I get asked all the time is about reversals. Oh yeah. So a reversal is when you play a card and because tarot cards have a distinct up and down orientation, mm-hmm. unlike most playing cards, which you can play in either right. direction, if the card is played upright. It's It has, a, like, a standard meaning, mm-hmm. and if it's played upside down, mm-hmm. reversed, mm-hmm. so that the top and the bottom are flipped, n- not so that it's played so that the back is visible. Right. Some people use different meanings for that. Right. Um, and they can be, tend to be on the negative side. Sometimes. Or can be. There are, so, like, there are... It seems like everyone I meet, every reader I meet, has a different take on reversals. Same. Cause I use
1: reversals, but they don't mean to me what they might mean to someone else.
0: Exactly. So some people have, like, completely different meanings for the cards mm-hmm. based on reversals. So they don't have, like, 78 cards. They've essentially got what's 78 times, them. two. Someone do that.
2: 156, I think.
0: Okay, so they've got 156 <laughs> cards, depending on which orientation they play the cards in. Right. I don't do that. No. And like Gwen says, a lot of people read reversals as the bad version of the card. The
1: opposite of what
0: what it is. Well, sometimes. So sometimes people will read them as the opposite of Mm -hmm. the standard meaning. Sometimes they'll read them Mm -hmm. as the negative aspects of Mm -hmm. the standard meaning. Mm -hmm. And some people will do what I do, which is the card plus hard mode. Yeah. Which is really... Like, I couldn't give you a standard meaning for what a reversed card is. A lot of it has to do with the circumstances of the spread and how the cards relate to each other. So like what hard mode means might mean something different for this card between Mm -hmm. like three different readings. And for me, a reversal tends to mean an extended period of time. Right. You know,
1: so the, the card is indicating something in a person's life when it comes up in reverse. For me, not always, But generally it tends to mean you've been dealing with this situation for a long time and it's going to continue this way for a while. That's usually... How it comes up, but again, it depends on what the other cards are in the reading, and that's is why a lot of people read reversals differently, mm-hmm. or they just don't yeah, read them at all. I know they just several the cards, yeah. I, know, know, I know have several readers who simply do not read, read reversals because yeah. they feel like the upright cards give enough information,
0: mm-hmm.
1: and they don't. Which read. is fair
0: because seventy-eight cards is a lot, exactly, and each individual card can mean multiple things. So I do read reversals, but occasionally. Like, I'll grab the deck in such a way that, like, everything's reversed. Yeah. By accident. Yeah. And in that case, I'm usually like, I'm going to just flip these and read them upright. Yeah. Right. And see how that goes. That's the other thing I want to say is if
1: you're doing a spread, at least for me, if you're doing a spread and you lay them out and it just feels wrong... I pick those suckers up, and I will shuffle them again, because I'm an intuitive reader. Right. And if I feel like this is just literally not... This is what nothing. We, this
0: is nothing. This is going to tell us nothing.
2: I don't know I, that I would do that. I think I would...
0: I've never done that. I have occasionally... So once or twice with acquaintances, I've gotten a reading that was not intended for them, or mm-hmm. it wasn't the question they asked. Mm-hmm. And usually they've been like, that sounds like it's for my husband, mm-hmm. or... That sounds like it's about this other thing I didn't ask you about. And so usually I'll do a second reading for them trying mm-hmm. to answer their actual question.
2: Same. But sometimes it's the cards going, that's not the question exactly, you really should have asked. Right. Exactly. You should have asked this question and right. I'm just going to answer that one.
1: Exactly. And I do both those things. I do all those things. But sometimes, and it doesn't happen very often, the cards will start coming out and I'm just like, no, this is, we're just, this is just not right. Something is not connecting. So then I'll reshuffle and I'll, I'll, you then again.
2: tap as well yeah. to, like, knock to off the... Yeah, to clear
1: off else. whatever is not working. That was you know, wild.
0: For... I've never had that. I wonder if that's because you're a psychic medium and Could maybe be. you're you're connecting into something else.
1: Could be. Because, like I said, it doesn't happen very often.
0: But when it does,
1: I'll just scoop them back up and tap them and shuffle again. The other thing is, when they jump out, sometimes I've had entire readings <laughs> jump out of my hands while oh. I'm still shuffling. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So now we'll segue into, into spreads, spreads. And we can start by talking about drops. Yes. So yes. a drop or a dropped card uh-huh. is where you're shuffling and you're getting ready to lay things down for the spread. And it just jumps right out. And a card head. just goes, Hey me. <laughs> yep. Falls right out the deck. Sometimes um, you get a whole
1: bunch of them. Sometimes, at the sometimes same time.
0: I've I've gotten as many as three at a time. I've had as many as eight. Oh my god.
1: It was like bizarre. That's a whole spread. It was. I, I it happened once almost half the spread was was laid out <laughs> just jumping so, out of my hand i was like holy crap so
0: people handle dropped cards in different ways some people just put them back in and keep shuffling and figure if that card needs to come up, it will. Mm-hmm. Some people... So what I do is I put... If it
2: jumps out, it's it's part of the reading. Right, mm-hmm. but yeah. I put it
0: to the side. Yep. And yep. I don't take it as part of the standard spread. I put it to mm-hmm. the side as... Like one, a
2: signifier? Like,
0: as a mm-hmm. clarifier, mm-hmm. which we'll get into clarifiers in a second. Yeah. i um,
1: do that if there's one. But if there's multiples, I make it part of the spread.
0: Yeah, I never do that, but I think that's because my spreads are usually like, relatively standardized. Mm -hmm. And so, like, there's not a place in the spread for these dropped cards. So I put them to the side and use them as like, and in addition to, here's what also the deck has to say. So sometimes, a card drops Mm-hmm. And as far as I can tell, it's actually just like I fumbled and that happens
1: and, and so it, you, you don't have feel to
0: like you, you do have to sort of learn to tell the difference between like a car jumped out yep. and I was shuffling badly yeah right. and I've
1: gotten to the point where I now know yeah and I that's know.
0: and that's one of those when intuitive when things, it's an accident and when it's not That's one of those same intuitive things like knowing when it's time to draw yes. Like when you're done shuffling Mm -hmm. and I can't tell you when, how you'll know when it's time. You just know, you just kind of know that now it's time. And sometimes that's, you know, five seconds after you started shuffling. And sometimes it's been like five minutes, and you're like, "I'm sorry, we'll get there eventually." We'll get there eventually, and people are looking at you like, "What?" And this is why I don't start the timer if it if it's a paid reading until the cards go on the table.
1: <laughs> I've never taken as long as five minutes, but sometimes I have. It, it can take a while. And
0: sometimes, and often, that means, especially if you're doing a reading for a quarent, uh in yeah. like a public setting, that means striking up a conversation That's while right. you're shuffling.
2: Exactly. <laughs> our tiger, our Darian, is offering intuitive readings and divination. With over a decade of experience working with spirit, terror, runes, and tea leaves, make an appointment for a reading with our Darren on Facebook at R. Darren's Auguries or find them at instagram.com forward slash Auguries.
0: Spell Auguries.
2: A-U-G-U-R-I-E-S.
0: So I think maybe we should cover what the the sort of general standard spreads are. Mm -hmm. So.
2: Well, I mean, the first one's the one card. Right, the
0: single card reading. Yeah, single card reading. is where you ask a question, you pull one card, you see what the answer is. Yep. Yep. And I often do that in what I call a conversational reading, which is where ask a question, I'll pull a card for an answer, we'll talk about that a little bit. If you have any further questions, keep asking them, and I'll keep Keep pulling one card from the deck until we're done talking. Yep. Yep. I don't shuffle any of those cards back into the deck. Nope. I just, just keep pulling and leave them on the table until we're done. And sometimes if a, if a session goes on for a long time, mm-hmm. those cards, as I lay them on the table, I end up sort of creating a, a spread. spread Yeah, <laughs> because the questions are usually related to each other. Right. And so the cards end up having a relationship based on the answers and then, right. like, five or six questions in, I've got, like, a whole, like, impromptu spread that I can then also read Mm -hmm. the spread. Mm
2: -hmm. Gotcha. Exactly.
0: Those are fun to do. Those are. I I like a conversational style. People don't recognize them as much, Mm -hmm. but it's a... I find it really... Productive, yep. I guess. Especially people come in not really sure what their question is. Exactly, exactly.
2: And then the three card,
0: right? Which is a pretty standard one that basically is the first thing you'll learn how to do. Yes, pretty much.
1: And that's the that's the basic reading I do for our hunters and above. Mm-hmm. Uh Once a month, which is coming
0: up.
2: Yep. Mm-hmm. Past, present, future. Yep.
0: Right. That's usually. The, usually, yeah. That's me, the that's traditional. What I've been doing that's, that's the traditional, traditional three card yep. orientation. You can substitute other things in, like it yes, can, can be like action, consequence, re- alteration, like change. Oh,
1: that can depend on the question. If you yeah. feel like they've asked a question that doesn't Where need, past, present, future aren't relevant. That, yeah, it, that doesn't. it's not relevant, but you don't need a larger spread. Right. A three-card spread is
2: enough. Then you can change the meanings. I never thought about this, but I could do Land, Sea, Sky. Yeah, absolutely, yeah.
0: Absolutely. And that's
2: an easy three-card spread for That me. would be absolutely. really interesting. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: What the meanings of Land, Sea, and Sky were yeah. and how they related to the cards. That would Correct. be a really interesting. Exercise. I yeah. sense a divination yeah, that coming yeah. up for the family. It's the, been a while since I mean, we've done... I mean, excited. It about sober, that. yeah, yeah. Sober, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and just family. Just family. I, I am actually interested about that concept. So, so do def- definitely okay. work on that. Yep. I also do, and I did these during drug germination. I was doing mm-hmm. three card pulls, right? But what I was pulling was a primary and two clarifiers. Yeah, so right. You can do that as well. So they didn't have like like a traditional three card spread. Each card in the line has a meaning already established. Right. you usually
1: read it left to right.
0: Yeah. And you're interpreting the relationship of that card to mm-hmm. its position in the spread. Right. Which is, I guess, now that we're getting into spreads yep. that have multiple placements, this is something we need to talk about. You don't just interpret the cards in mm-hmm. a tarot reading. Exactly. like They're individual meanings. You also interpret the relationship of the card to its placement in the spread. Exactly. And the relationship of the card to the other cards around it. Exactly. Yep. So there are like three levels of interpretation that have to happen mm-hmm. with a tarot card spread reading.
1: Which is why it's nice to learn, you can do the same thing with the Lenormand deck. It's nice to learn using a, a three card spread, you can understand what their relationship is to one another a little bit easier, mm-hmm. and then start adding more and cards. And start building up and to bigger it, And do spreads, larger yeah. spreads.
2: So those are the two very basic ones, right? Yeah, the one, yeah. one, card, one card and a three
0: card. Yeah. All right,
2: so I want each of us to tell what our favorite spread is, if you're willing to give up yours Okay. To Ode. Because <laughs> I know Ods is very, it's I, very yeah, particular. Ods, it's I created, created one. yeah. Yes. So, Gwen, do you want to start?
1: So I use what I call a modified Hakati's wheel. Um, right. It's a, it's a spread that I learned when I was looking up how to use the Hakati tarot. Mm-hmm. Just basically interpreted it for for myself, and so it's the it's the standard spread that I use, and it's a center card with basically three spokes to create a wheel. Right. And it's you know influences present and future. Right. And then the center card is basically the significator. It's it's the person I'm reading. Right. And then I'll pull I'll pull three additional cards as clarifiers. Unless something jumps out. Right. That is my that is my standard go to spread. I enjoy it. Using it because it is very clear, usually to me and to the to the querent. Right. Because I have that center card, the center part of the wheel, that is the the querent. Right. And it tells me where they're at at this time when they're asking the question. Then the spoke to the left, it is what's influencing them at this time, and I usually put three to four cards on each spoke. And um, it just depends right. on, on what I'm feeling, if they need three cards or four cards per spoke. And so I then know what is influencing them while they're asking the question. Then the spoke on the top to the right, it's what's happening to them at present based on how they're being influenced at this time. And then I go to that final uh, spoke on the bottom, which is potential future Based on what they've been experiencing and how they've been influenced, and then I'll pull three clarifiers for the entire reading. Gotcha. <laughs> and that that's based on the Hakati's wheel, which was created by someone else. I don't even know where I saw it. I kind of I saw it on the internet, but it didn't make sense to me how it was. Oh, so how it was you modified. So I modified it to work for me right. and it has been extremely successful for me giving readings to to individuals i'm i'm told
2: it's very accurate and so mine is the owen spread right so it's nine cards it's past present future but it's past is the top 3 cards present is the middle 3 cards and future is the bottom 3 cards mm-hmm. and then across left to right it's ideas Emotions and manifestations. Okay. So you get your your past ideas, your past emotions, your past mm-hmm. manifestations, your present ideas, your present. You, you see, so you that's the one I enjoy the most. A, it connects with me as a druid, and, and
0: you lay them out in that sort of uh, yep. light pattern. Correct. Yeah. Yep.
2: As a druid, that makes sense. It vibes with you. It vibes with me. But I, I also like how it speaks to things because it's. It's kind of open-ended, you know, cause it's, it's like, ideas yeah. and emotions and manifestations rather than very specific. And mm-hmm. it's
0: interesting cause it's kind of like three, three card spreads layered on top of each other. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. That's cool. I do like yeah. that. That's very cool. So I'm going to give you guys one of my spreads, which is the Graveside Vigil. It's a five card spread. It's exclusively for problem solving. So you have to have a specific question. You have to have, it, that question has to be a problem that you need to have solved. And the Graveside Vigil gives you context on the situation, and it tells you how to move forward. So... You start by laying down the grave, which is a card that you lay down horizontally. So it cannot be read upright or reversed. It's a horizontal card. You're going to read it as if it was upright. And the grave represents the problem and is the deck's sort of interpretation of the problem, telling you what it thinks the root cause of the problem is. Then above the grave you're going to lay three cards vertically. The far left is the outsider. This is outside influences on the problem and maybe influences you're not aware of. The center card card is the lantern. This is going to provide more context for how you got into this situation. And the far right card is the lover and tells you what's keeping you from moving forward, what's preventing you from solving this problem on your own. And then you're going to lay down the final card beneath the grave, which is the psychopomp. That's also, you lay that card vertically. And that card tells you what the deck's recommendation is for how to move on and leave this grave and solve this problem for yourself.
1: It's a very good spread. You've done reading for me using that yeah.
0: spread. It's very, very accurate. It's though. very specific. And very specific. Um, you're not gonna get broad readings with the no. graveside vigil. It will it is going to address this problem and this problem yeah. only. And I think that's what I
1: like about the spread that I use, the Hakati's wheel, is that it it can deal with current short term stuff, but it mm-hmm. also projects into the future. Right. You know, and, uh, but it also, it it can be very, it can be a very intense reading just like yours can be a very intense reading when you're trying to figure out this problem.
0: Yeah. Grapeside vigil is one where people uh, often end up crying. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody has,
1: I think, a tarot spread that works for them. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it only works, I'm, I'm seeing some um, people here in the... Some people discourse. talking about
0: whether you can do readings for yourself.
1: Well, not only for yourself, but sometimes readings are for specific decks. And so that's the great thing about tarot, though, is that there are multiple ways to do a five-card reading. hmm And what you're, what you're describing at Graveside Vigil is your version of a
0: five card reading. Yeah, it's my, it's my very specific Mm -hmm. solution to a problem I was running into with readings, which was that often, uh, my answers Mm -hmm. were too vague or too broad. Yeah. Right. So I created a spread that would narrow things down.
1: And I think that that's important for people to know is that one, you can create your own yep. based on, you know, just a basic spread. You've got your five card, your three card, mm-hmm. your seven card. Well, I guess what I'm saying is everybody says, Oh my God, Celtic cross is so hard. Make it fit for you. You can. It, you don't have to do a standard Celtic cross. Don't. Right.
0: In fact, I actually hate the standard Celtic cross. I don't like cross. the standard. I feel Celtic like cross. it's really muddy and unclear, and yeah. that's I think why a lot of people have a hard. A lot of people do have a hard time with the Celtic cross. Yeah, it's not. Celtic it's cross. not
1: very clear. And
0: it's and it's not because the. I don't think it's because the spread itself is difficult right. or because there are too many cards. Mm-hmm. I think it's because. Uh, what, no, what, I use twelve exactly. to thirteen. I, I think the problem <laughs> is that. With a Celtic cross is that the meanings, the standard meanings Mm -hmm. of the standard Celtic cross are not clear. Yes. So what I recommend for everyone, if you want to do a Celtic cross, is like... Create your... Reverse engineer a Celtic cross. like I did with my Hecate's wheel. Mm -hmm.
1: Take your Celtic cross spread Mm -hmm. and create the meanings that will help you interpret the cards.
0: Figure out what what information you need from the spread and... Create a spread that will give you that information. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah.
1: So and so you can do that. And I feel like sometimes people think people feel like they they're sacrosanct. You have to do, yeah, do have have spreads spread that are in the book. And as it was created. <laughs> yeah. And that's just not true. You no. can take that basic framework mm-hmm. and create something that works for you and your deck. Yep. Or decks. <laughs> or decks multiple. Or decks
0: multiple. So Oh, and then I, I wanted to touch really quickly on clarifiers. So clarifiers are additional cards pulled after the spread. Mm -hmm. Um, I usually end up pulling them either if I'm not sure what the deck is trying to say here. So, like, the card in this place doesn't make sense, so I'll pull another card to see what it's trying to tell me, Mm -hmm. or if the querent has more questions about the reading Mm -hmm. after, like, a standard spread, I'll pull more cards as they ask those questions and sort of transition into one of those conversational styles Mm -hmm. uh, where they ask questions, I pull a card to clarify and to answer that question, Mm -hmm. and then we keep going from there until Mm -hmm. they feel resolved.
1: Exactly. I think, now, of course, we're talking about tarot. With Lenormand, you, yeah, it
0: doesn't work. like it that. It doesn't sometimes.
1: work like that with Lenormand. You really and you are... can do that
0: same thing with the spreads with the yeah. oracle decks.
1: Yes, yes. Let's say that with the oracle, you can. It's very. You can use it very similar to mm-hmm. to a tarot. You can create your own spreads yep. and meanings of those spreads to yep. work with the or, you know to work the oracle in a way that will answer the questions that you are being asked.
0: Yeah, and in a way that's very similar to how tarot cards
1: exactly. Being now Lenormand, Lenormand's a little more specific. Yes, because you are literally reading it as a sentence. It's the, you know, and there's has, grammar, to there's grammar to Lenormand. There's grammar to Lenormand. When you have, like, you do have your basic three-card spread. That's a group. But, like, you could mm-hmm. not do a one-card draw for a Lenormand.
0: No, because that's just a word.
1: Because it's a word. That's right. all it is. And it's just, like, not it doesn't really tell you It
0: doesn't mean as much in Lenormand as, like, a single tarot card. Exactly. Right. You
1: might be able to use it for a yes or a no, maybe. But You
0: can, I think, yeah. yeah. But But other anything more complex than that with Lenormand, you need multiple cards right. so that they talk to each other.
1: Exactly. Exactly. So like unlike Oracle or Tarot, which you can do one card, it's not recommended for Lenormand. Yeah. But so your basic spread in a Lenormand is three it's cards. Three cards yeah. And you you specifically read it left to right. Yeah. You cannot do it the other way. And
0: they don't mean past, present, future. No,
1: they don't mean they, past, present, future. They
0: that's the grammar. Yeah. The Lenormand sentence.
1: It is it is literally you are reading a sentence and their your first card is you know affects the middle card, mm-hmm. which affects the, the third card, which gives you, which your gives sentence, you a whole sentence which yeah. gives you a whole sentence, which is why it's important to understand Lenormand learning those basic meanings yeah so, it's, it's that, so that you can interpret the sentence, yeah, and then you just build on from there up to the exactly
0: <laughs> massive and that and then I think once you know all that, then you can be intuitive, but yeah. I think you would it would be really hard to start with intuitive readings of Lenormand. Well, I know when my friend Amy was reading
1: the Grand Tableau, what she would do is she would read sentences. Diagonally mm-hmm. and horizontally. She didn't just, you know, it, she had. There was a method and yeah. a pattern, and you were still reading sentences. Yeah, you had a, a, a starting point. Yeah, that's and like then you had agree. to read from there, either vertical you or horizontal. You essentially have
0: to learn a whole new language
1: to read Norman. And I know she says it's easy, but I'm gonna di- I'm gonna, gonna disagree.
0: disagree.
2: <laughs> no. <laughs> Nothing. And I still want to learn
0: it.
1: But not easy. No, it, it's like learning French. It's yeah. got a, it's got a language of its own, which is you know. appropriate. Thank yes. you, Lenormand. Yeah. Uh, so I I still want to learn it, but I I have to. I really do feel like you almost have to divorce your
0: brain from tarot. Yeah, and you got to start because you got to start with the vocabulary. Yeah, and you have which to have, is
1: memorizing the cards. You have to have Lenormand brain uh-huh. to read Lenormand. So you have to be bilingual.
0: Yeah. Yeah, cuz you you like I said you have to learn the vocabulary of the cards and then yep. the grammar of the spreads and then <laughs> Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so absolutely.
1: But I think it's worth learning because okay. it can be very it can be great as a quali- uh, clarifier if you're doing a tarot reading. And you could do a three-card spread. I can't thread. tell you
0: how many times I've had clients ask me, like, "Well, who, who is this referring to?" And I can't give you that information through the tarot. But, but with Lenormand, Lenormand, you can. Yes,
1: with a Lenormand, you have a much better chance of asking or of answering that specific question. Yeah.
0: So it's really, actually, really smart. I think it'd be a great supplement. Yeah. Lenormand as a supplement. Even if you're like a like a mostly a tarot person mm-hmm. like myself, mm-hmm. I think Lenormand would be great for supplementing. And readings.
1: people also use oracle cards for that type mm-hmm. of situation. Is they'll they'll use a, a single oracle card yeah. as a clarifier to a tarot reading. Yep.
0: One of these days, I'm going to make an oracle... Don't hold me to this, but one of these days, I am going to make an oracle deck that is offerings, because sometimes trying to figure out what a spirit wants as an offering is an ordeal using yeah. traditional divination methods. So someday I'm just going to make an oracle deck that's like a bunch of things I could offer. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I have decided that I'm going to come up with my own spread. Okay, oh. good. It's going to be the cha-cha slide spread. Nice, so spectacular. That's going to be a step to the left and a step, step to the, step to the, the right, right and reverse, reverse. Yeah, so it'll be good. Excellent, excellent. Um, excellent. Very looking nice. Forward yeah. I'm yep. looking
0: forward to that and looking forward to the Lancy sky. Yep, that's right. I think that's everything. And that's pretty much it. Yeah. So
2: that's it for this episode of Three Pagans and a Cat. You can find us on Google.
1: He went radio voice. He on. did. He just put yeah. in the
2: number three Pagans and a Cat. And you'll find us just about everywhere.
1: <laughs> Feel his forehead. Is he feeling all right? <laughs> it's hard to tell it's so hot in here. Uh, that's the damn truth. <laughs> and we even have a fan going. But so. so, yeah, everybody check
0: out
2: Google. All our stuff.
0: Yep, all Three our Peacons stuff. Three Pagans and a Cat. We're on everything. Yeah, website. Gwyn yeah. has a Patheos blog. And Patheos red blog. Red bubble. We got a red bubble. Where you can get Ode's art. Yep. The, I'm doing the YouTube. Right, yep. Yeah. Gwyn of, yeah. of Three Pagans and a Cat. Yes,
1: Gwyn of Three Pagans and a Cat. Just do the search. And, yeah, the
2: Patreon it. is there. There's also yep. coffee.
1: Yeah, so yeah, just yeah. If you want to do
2: a one-time donation, and you can do it via you, coffee.
1: Thank you to those who've been uh doing that. Buying for us coffee. Us. That's, that's wonderful. Yep. Thank you so much. We really appreciate it. Yep. And uh yeah, I, I think that's I think that's it. it. I think yeah. we're I think we're wrapped up. Yeah. So you guys go out there and get your Terra decks, your Oracle decks, your Lenormand decks, your bicycle decks, your bicycle decks, if you wanna mm-hmm. just be brave uh-huh. and try actual cartomancy. Yeah oldie fashioned way. See what
0: happens. hmm
2: hmm Alright. Alright, that's it. Bye. Bye. I'm gonna stop it. Bye. Stop, stop.